off series right now. It doesn't sound overly cute, does no, it? No, and what did I say actually yesterday, just as we were getting off the air? Do you remember what I said? Mm-mm. I brought up a random stat about Justin Hall and said, hmm, he's allowed a lot of goals recently. It was like yeah, 18 goals in 18 games or something like that. And I just threw that out there. So Sheldon Keefe on his way home from practice was like, really? I just brother? threw that out there yesterday. And then I went and I dug into more of the nitty gritty <laughs> of the information. And I looked and I was like, huh, Hall and Gio as a pairing have been a bottom 10 pair in the league since Christmas. Yeah. They've allowed uh, their bottom 10 in terms of goals against per 60 that they've given up. And they're giving up the 17th most scoring chances um, against per 60 in that time as well. So they, they have not been the shutdown duo that they were earlier in the year when they stepped up to their credit. They played great early on, but as the season's progressed here the last month or so, it hasn't, it hasn't gone their way when they're out there on the ice. It really hasn't. They've been outworked. And when you're on the ice for 23 goals in, in a 20-game span... Sometimes you find yourself out of the lineup, and that's where Justin Hall looks like he will find himself there tomorrow night. Yeah, so unconfirmed. Leafs still on the ice at practice, but based on the way that the the pairings are shaking out, it looks like Justin Hall will be a scratch tomorrow night versus Chicago. Uh, And with that, let's bring in one of our favorite Overdrive co-hosts, Jamie McLennan, and we have to bring him in by kind of calling him out because it'll be comforting for our listeners to know that... Calling him out? Yeah, their favorite hosts on the radio, their favorite NHL players, they're just like them struggling on Valentine's Day today because you got the mother-in-law phone call last night, Noodles, that your wife (laughs) of a decade does not like the flowers that you annually get her on Valentine's Day. And I feel like this is more common. Like It came up because Steph and I were talking this morning about how my boyfriend, God love him, just like doesn't have very good floral taste. But you appreciate it nonetheless. Look, to Noodles' credit, who doesn't like red roses? Like I just don't understand why there's such a hate for red roses, Noodles. Well, I'll be honest, there's one solution to this. Just how about no flowers? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I knew where that was going. Valentine's Day is an absolute farce anyways. It's a made-up day. (laughs) And and you know what? Every day around here is Valentine's Day in in this family. So you know what? It's just, to me, it's like, all right, you need some sort of celebration. You want a flower. Like, to me, I (laughs) think flowers are the most ridiculous things ever because all they do is they die immediately, and now you've got to throw them out. And if you try and revive them... And if it's summertime, there's bugs that floating around and stuff. Like, I'm not a big indoor plant person whatsoever, and you can ask Steph about it. So for me, the I think the simple solution is, yeah, we'll get a little box of chocolates. We'll have you know, maybe you know a nice dinner or something like that. Yeah. But let's leave, let's take flowers off the table. To me, it's it's a it's a lazy way out. Anyways, guys go to the grocery store. They're buying stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot. There's yep. some flowers. I'll grab these almost dead flowers. Pay triple the amount that you can yep. buy them for any other time, and then you hand them over. They go in a vase. The vase stays there for a couple of days until they die, and then you throw it out and you do it all again next year. You want to talk about lazy way out noodles? So yesterday, our, our friend Jeff O'Neill is on overdrive, claiming that he made. A phone call to AB to let him go. He was yes. texted. Is that is that <laughs> greasy? It, was, it wasn't a phone, a phone call. call. He got text dumped the day That's, before Valentine's Day. That is tough. I, I will say is that the, the text <laughs> is tough. Now I'm not. Uh, you guys know I'm an older guy, so I, I'm not up with all of that. I don't know if I've ever been dumped text wise, but it's more. 
uh, I think it's almost a face-to-face, isn't it? You guys have a long-standing relationship, friendship. And, and O did say, hey, you know, I love the guy, but we got to move on. And apparently, A.B., you knew it was coming because you brought up the subject of, like, how are we going to deal with this? And O's like, i got to let you know. <laughs> I don't know how this, is, this went down, but the transaction shouldn't have gone down over text. No, I, I did feel a little hurt that it went down over text. I woke a group up, text. I woke up to the – yeah, it was, it was actually <laughs> in the group chat. That's it even more, even that's more gutless, like letting everybody else know, I know. like what you're saying. That is really – really tough like that's almost getting dumped on the comment section on like instagram or on uh, Facebook you know what it's like it, it's it's honestly here's how i felt now i know how those gentlemen feel when they go and they they try and uh propose to the ladies at the sporting events and they end up with coke on their head like that, yeah, that's how that's i felt tough. right get rejected the, in public like that yeah the, the only thing i can uh, compare this to is like i think on facebook when that was like the big thing People are always like in a relationship, and the minute that the relationship status changed, that's when you knew you were in trouble. Yeah. So I think he took he basically changed his relationship status yesterday with you. Well, I still got it as uh, at least consultant for Team. It's complicated. Al Dog. It's it complicated. It's, that's, that's what it, what it says. It's complicated. Jeez. That's the one. That now. one. Yes. That, that that's right. So there was like in a relationship. Imagine it's confidently putting that out there for the public oh public to speculate over. And lots of people did it. Like I you know. guys were talking about. Pokes yesterday on Facebook, and like that took me back, I guess to like to the poking time yeah, of our era. lives. The era, it, yes. It, like early Facebook was a time that it's complicated in relationships. Like your relationship wasn't official until it was Facebook official. Like that became a very commonly used phrase in the world. Facebook official. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, well, it's not official yet, Noodles, as we transition to some more hockey talk, that uh, Justin Hall is going to get scratched tomorrow, but it looks like that based off of the pairings at practice. And I was just uh, telling JT, he's allowed 23 goals in the last 20 games. I mean, is this just a, 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 an instance where Sheldon Keefe wants to give this guy just a night to kind of recollect himself or what? I think so. It might be a reset. There was a time early in the season where he struggled, and it was consistent with the team struggling. He got a reset, and I thought his game got in order, mm-hmm. and it slipped away. Now, this might be a microcosm of the whole team where you know some of their details have gotten away on them on you know the teams that they should be beating on paper, but he hasn't been very good. And you think back to just his game the other night there was a rebound that came off the pad he skated by missed it that goes in the net like some missed assignments and ultimately let's be honest if justin hall is in the lineup and this team feels like they're going to go deeply on a run he shouldn't be in your top four they they, they've got they've got him he's got to be in your third pairing and be a hard guy to play against and advance the puck and and be physical and use his size that being said if if that speaks to me more like, okay, they feel like they need to address the depth of their D. And you're going to try other guys out in that scenario. But for me, I just, I, I think he's best suited as a third-pairing guy who can be, you know, tough to play against and advance the puck. And when he gets away from that, when he wants to jump up into the play and make plays and miss assignments and kind of uh, not do what got him to the National Hockey League, Unfortunately, he finds him on the out, finds himself on the outside looking in, and I think that's the case to tomorrow. Can, can Lilligren be that guy? Like he's going to get the opportunity to be with Gio in the top four tomorrow. But do you think he's ready for that type of role, or is that something that the Leafs are going to have to look for externally as the deadline nears? I, I 
I think that's what they believe as Lilligren has elevated and they want to give him an opportunity in that scenario. But again, you come down to it if you're you know you're you're playing Tampa in the first round. Okay, so there's your matchup, and I know you're not shaping the team just to beat Tampa, but you uh, you do have to have the matchups that you are comfortable as, as far as. If you're going to face a team like Tampa, if you beat them, you go on, let's say Boston gets through too. Same type of teams and play the same type of way. So for me, um, if you don't have confidence that Lilligren can absorb those top four minutes, that's where you're circling and going, okay, we, we need another top four defenseman here to round out the group. You're not just adding a uh, you know, a six or seven. You might be in the in the market for some of the guys who've been bandied about, the Jake McCabe's, guys like that who can play in your top four, and and give you the more valuable minutes. And that being said, I know I'm getting long winded, but Lilligren is a young guy, so it, I, it's not that you don't believe he can be there, but you have to give your team the best opportunity today and in the next couple months not for the future 18 months from now two years from now yeah that's interesting so we've heard Dubas say he's going to do whatever he can to improve the team uh we've heard from insiders it might be a piece on forward and at defense there's no reason why they can't do both aside from that whole salary cap thing would you rather them add the splashier piece up front in the top six or or in the top four (sighs) that's tough because i I would love to just say both yeah because you know it that's what I I think they need. They need they need a top four defenseman. Now, maybe that top four defenseman is somebody like Joel Edmondson. You know, it's not as as sexy of a name, but it's a big, strong, long defenseman who makes you pay, um, has experience, won a cup. I don't know what the asking price for him is. I know they're more addressing if in a perfect world you'd like the right side dealt with, but that's the type of player that I'd be looking at and. Maybe he's not the sexiest name, but it's 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 Lilligren a couple of years from now type of thing. Now I, I think Lilligren handles the puck better, but I think Ed, Edmondson is the type of defenseman that they'd be looking for in in that role. So uh, I still believe they need a top six guy. I, I really do because that that left side. I know Yarn Croak has been a a nice addition. We know where Bunting is probably going to play, but that left side to me. Is is a crapshoot. Uh, you know, Ingvall I think needs to be farther down on the lineup. They're stubborn to place him in the in the in the three hole basically. But there are certain guys I think that need to be slotted a little bit better if you're going to get into a, a grudge match against some of these teams that you're going to face in the playoffs. So I would like to say both. But again, you mentioned JT the the salary cap is staring everybody in the eyes. So yeah. it's money in, money out. I look at too. Like I was just taking a look yesterday when I was. You know, going through, looking at what's going on in the in the Leafs, you know, Leafs Nation and whatnot, and I'm looking, Kerfoot, one goal his last 18 games. David Camp, goalless in 26 games. Like, these are guys that play, like, 15 minutes a night. Like, they, they also yeah. are going to need to beef up that scoring from the bottom end of the roster, too, come playoff time, because... That's where they've kind of been killed a lot in the last couple of seasons. Like last year, I think Mark Masters told us the stat last week. They were outscored 8-3, to three, I want to say, when uh, you look at the bottom six compared to Boston and Toronto's last season. Yeah, well, that makes sense because, you know, I know everyone talks about the Nick Paul goals, but it's, it's more about, you know, and I know we've had this argument on overdrive with the guy like Jonas who says, you know, the underlying numbers suggest that Pierre Engvall is expected goals, all of that. I get it. But 
is Engvall going to give you the Nick Paul goal? That's that's my question for you in the playoffs. Joey Anderson, Alexander Steve, Zach Aston Reese, Holmberg. You know, those are the guys that, to me, when when people talk about it, and I say outside this market, when people talk about the Leafs, yes, they've got four guys that are as good as anybody in the league, but outside of that, it it thins out, and that's where people aren't as afraid. And yeah, easier said than done. Try and shut four guys down that are having. You know, close to career years. I know Matthews isn't, but he's still Austin Matthews and can be a dominant force. But you look at the other three that are having really great seasons as well. Like, if you find a way to neutralize or top players cancel out top players, now it comes to your stat there, AB, where it's what are the, what's the bottom of your roster going to give you? That's why if you add another player in the top six, maybe it slots guys a little bit better in that t- bottom six a guy like your own crow can go down um you know if you believe in kerfoot he can give you minutes but it's it's you've got to find a little bit more depth there that is more threatening in my opinion and not, and i'm not talking regular season threatening where you don't get hit and you don't fight for space i'm talking playoff threatening where guys can win loose puck battles and get the puck to the middle of the ice well, the one spot we've heard Kyle Dubas is not going to add is between the pipes, Noodles. Joseph Wall made his debut this weekend, though he didn't get much help in front of him. No. Uh, yeah. What did you think of, of his debut? I know it's just one game to go off of, but do you think that he's enough insurance with the way Matt Murray's season has gone? Well, that's the biggest question is, I think they're stable if the, if the two are healthy, right? Then you'd be fine with Wall. You'd be fine with Shalgren. But it's, it's because, really, now you're looking throughout the league and going, okay, where's the upgrade? Uh, you know, Spencer Martin is available now in Vancouver. Guys Corpusello, like that. Corpusello, he looked you know, pretty good well, over the weekend. Well, I think Corpusello is a hell of a goaltender. But, again, uh, I know he's on a cheaper contract, but you're going to have to pay to get him out of there. Like mm. that's Now people are talking about, well, Kyle already did that with David Riddick, and it didn't pay off. But here's the thing. Maybe it will pay off. Like, and you have to give your team every opportunity to do that. If you're going to beef up up front, if you're going to add to a defenseman, you got to make sure that if there is a, a Matt Murray injury or a Samsonoff injury, that you're comfortable with somebody who's stepping into the net. And I think that's what they got to figure out with Joseph Wall. Uh, I think he's a skilled goaltender. I watched him at the AHL All-Star game the other right. day. Um, he's got skill. But, but he doesn't have a ton of experience. He's 3-2 and two now at the National Hockey League level. I thought his game was a little bit sloppy the other night, but just like the, it kind of mirrored the, the Leafs game. There was uh, you know, a few loose puck battles that he didn't find the puck and, and was a little overactive in certain areas. But that's not on him. That's a team in front of him that wasn't super stable in front of him. But I, I just come back to I always lean towards experience, but I can understand their thought process of going, is it really an upgrade to grab a guy who has – um, experience in the league, but really his ceiling has been hit. And that's why I talk about a guy like Spencer Martin or, you know, David Riddick or guys that they've uh, looked at in the past. But, you know, I'd be, I'd be frustrated because uh, we remember it was Joe Sackick a couple years ago. Mm. They were in a game seven against Dallas, and it was Michael Hutchinson stopping <laughs> pucks, right? And, you know, Hutch is a great guy, but. You know, he didn't get them through to the next uh, round. So that it's, it's certainly something that they have to look at to add to the depth of their organization. Right. Like, I guess when you look back on it, I bet you Joe Sackick probably would have been okay 
passing out a third round pick for David Riddick in that circumstance. But right? just that that's the I always say what if. And I know like you can you can argue the other way, conversely, and it, it makes sense going, okay, you, I don't is this player, is David Riddick really an upgrade on player X? The, I think the the problem noodles is like like I almost feel like it's more likely than not that an injury situation will occur. So you kind of have to be proactive with this. Well, I've said this, and I've been banging this drum for about the last year, that teams should be able to carry three goaltenders, and the third goaltender should be on a set salary that doesn't count against the cap. Mm. Like, we are, I believe, I haven't checked the numbers recently, I think the league is, last year it was 120 goalies that played in the regular season last year. Like, that's... You know, three a, a team, four a team. That's a lot. You're, it's rare that it's just the two guys the whole season. So to me, and, and I want to get away from this, and I know it's a nice story, the David Ayers and, you know, the Scott Fosters in Chicago, guys coming in, uh, the kid the other day, uh, I'm drawing oh, a blank on his name, in Edmonton. We had you know, him on nice, the show. Yeah, U of A kid, awesome kid, but, but it, it's not a good look. You should have three on the roster. You should have a guy that's available to you, that practices, that is an NHL player that available to you. You have depth in every other position, but in that one, you can't get anybody, and all of a sudden you're relying on a banker or a, an accountant to come in, and those are critical points. And it's to me, I, I just, I've hated that, and it's something that I think the league has to look at. 89 goaltenders have played at least one game this year so far, and they're still... Okay. 30 yeah, so or we're, so we're games We're going to be go. at 100. We're going to be at 100 here. Yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah, good chance that'll be the case because you can have guys going down, getting traded, players going to get called up. You, you know you're going to see it for sure. Uh, Noodles, appreciate the time as always. Can't wait to hear you later today on Overdrive, pal. So, sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. There he goes. Jamie Noodles McLennan. You can listen to him on Overdrive tonight, 4 p.m. TSN 4, also right here on TSN 1050.